0: Awesome. Hey, glad you guys are here, guys. Uh, Let me pray for us. Pray for the service. Pray, man, just like God, we're moving this place. How about that? Sound good? Father, we love you. Thank you so much that we can be here this morning. Lord, we are here because of the resurrection, and we thank you for that. We thank you for sending your son, Father, to die on the cross for us, Lord, to be buried and to be risen on the third day. We thank you so much, Lord, for letting us come here and worship and celebrate you today, Father. Father, I ask that your your spirit move in this place. Father, fill me today. Let it be your words and not my own, Lord. Father, we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I grew up in a home where I didn't know what Easter was about, okay? I grew up in a home, but I remember this. I remember Easter was awesome. I can tell you that right now. Easter in our home was incredible. Uh, I remember waking up as a young boy and my brother and my steps you know we 'd all, all the family get together, six of us we 'd get together and man, I remember waking up that morning, oh my gosh, you walk in the room and there it is those Easter baskets, oh my gosh, I can remember it was like it was, like it was yesterday. And I mean, it just, you know, we had these old, you know, well, we had the plastic ones. You remember the plastic Easter baskets? Okay. And it had the fake grass in it. Remember that weird fake grass? And then does anybody do it? Do they still have that? Or is that like cancerous? I don't even know. Is it? I don't know what it is. It's just this fake stuff, and, and then, you, you know, you'd have all the candy, and then you'd have all this stuff, and I mean, you have the chocolate bunnies and all this, and I remember, I just distinctly remembering that eating some of that candy and some of the grass getting in the candy as a kid. I remember that. I don't know if anybody remembers that. Anybody remember that? Okay, just, okay, some of us do remember eating that grass. It was kind of weird, okay? But I remember waking up being so excited about Easter. I remember just waking up going, man, this is the most amazing thing. We, you know, Mom and Dad, they got us Easter baskets, and there's Easter bunnies, and it's usually a bunny this big. And it was just, oh, my gosh, oh, wow, this is awesome. But i tell you what, I, I don't remember about Easter. I don't know what Easter was about as a kid. I didn't know that Easter was about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I had no idea that's what it was about for the longest time a child was saved. I had no clue, no clue whatsoever. I thought it was about a bunny who kept losing his Easter eggs. And then I had to go, and my brothers said, we had to go find them, and oh, you know, and then we'd eat those weird boiled eggs. It was just weird, you know? It was just strange. I didn't, I didn't understand it, but, and I, and I realized something, and I realized even in our own family, like, the money that was spent on Easter. You know what I mean? The, the mo- amount of money that was spent on Easter, I, I mean, Julie and I, we went and bought stuff for our kids for Easter. You know, we had to, right? Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of I don't know if we had to, but we just felt like compelled because every store that we went on went into, you had to buy something, right? My girls, all, had, they, all the girls had to get new dresses. I had to get a new tie, you know, even a new shirt. You know, I had to get new, I don't know why, I just had to get this new stuff for some reason, you know. We had to buy gifts for the kids and we had to do this and, Uh, We we bought all the Easter bunnies and all that, but we we messed up. I'll just be real honest with you. We messed up. Um, We left the chocolate bunnies in the car. We left them in the car. And that poor Easter bunny, that chocolate Easter bunny, looked nothing like an Easter bunny. I'm just telling you. Looked nothing like an Easter bunny. And so Julie and I, Julie was laughing about it. You know, last night she's laughing. Oh my gosh, look at the Easter bunny. It doesn't even look like an Easter bunny anymore. And, you know, it was kind of weird. And it was like, you know, do we give these to the kids? Of course we do. Yes, we gave them to the kids. We gave them to the kids. You know, hey, enjoy this. Julie wrote a little note. You know, hi sorry the Easter bunny couldn't take the heat. Sorry. I mean, it was just <laughs> one, of the, one of those weird kind of sense of humor that we have in our family. We was just like, hey, sorry about it, you know. And, uh. But it was, you know, that's just how, you know, the kids, man, that's how, how Easter is. Easter is awesome. I'm not going to lie. But Easter has become one of those holidays. Man, I don't know about y'all, but man, you spend some money. You, you spend some money on Easter. Do you not? Right? I mean, man, if it's not the food, it's the, the getting dressed, it's, it's the candy, it's all this stuff that you've got to do. And I, I found some statistics that you would not believe this. I did not realize how big Easter was. The total annual spending on Easter-related goods. How much do you think we spend on Easter? What do you think? $14.6 billion on Easter. $14.6 billion. Total annual spending on Easter candy, $2.1 billion. Pounds of Easter candy purchased annually, 120 million pounds. Number of jelly beans made for Easter 16 billion jelly beans. Percent of Easter candy that is chocolate, 70%. That's a lot of stuff. And the dentist in the the, the crowd are going, yes! (laughs) The percent of Americans, now listen to this, this is very important. Percentage of Americans who say chocolate bunnies should be eaten ears first can you believe that someone actually wrote this? 76%. Oh my gosh, we can go to heaven now. We know, we know now. That's it. Percentage of Americans who describe Easter as a religious holiday or the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All adults says this, 67% say it's just a religious holiday. 42% say it's about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now this one is kind of weird. Protestants, This is how the Protestants were polled. Protestants say that 78% say it's a religious holiday. Now, the Protestants also say 51%, I don't know how they got the numbers right here, 51% say it's about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That means 49% of the people that go to church have no idea what this is about, have no idea what this is about. You might say that religiosity has to a degree has become or has surpassed the resurrection it's more about being religious it's about the Easter bunny it's about these other things than at the actual risen Lord but can I just tell you right now just just lay it out here on the line that Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ folks that's what it's about that's why we're here today it is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ it's a celebration of our Lord Savior rising from the dead It is the most significant act for Christians. It is the most significant act for Christians. Without the resurrection, Christianity wouldn't exist, folks. Let's just lay it out there. Without the resurrection, Christianity wouldn't exist. Jesus even talked about his resurrection in the beginning of his ministry. He talked about it often. In John chapter 11, verse 25, before raising uh, Lazarus from the dead, he he tells Martha, the sister, he says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. He spoke of the resurrection in the beginning of his ministry. You, You see it all over the New Testament about his resurrection. It was that important to him. And this Easter, what I want to do, I want us to do something a little differently, okay? I want us to look at the resurrection from the beginning of Jesus' ministry. I want to, to look at it from kind of Jesus' perspective here, okay? I want us to look at it a little bit. And I want us to show, I want to show you what the resurrection reveals from John chapter 2. So that's where we're going to be at this morning, John chapter 2. John chapter 2, I want to, I want to read it for you. Now, I've got to put my smart glasses on because apparently— your eyes start going bad after the age of 40. So apparently I have to now because I'm having trouble reading. Not that I can't read, I just can't see them. John chapter 2, starting in verse 13, here's what it says. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he, and, and he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away, do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore... He was raised from the dead his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that was said that Jesus had spoken verse 23 Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast many believed in his name and when they saw the signs that he was doing but Jesus on his on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So what I want to show you is just from Jesus' perspective. Because understand this, that Jesus, he's always talking about his resurrection. Throughout his ministry, he's talking about it. But here's the thing. The people don't understand what's going on. They don't, they're not getting this. They're like, what do you mean, res- resurrection? What do you mean you're going to come from the dead? They don't understand what's happening. They don't understand. They don't quite get it. His own disciples didn't even get it. But just to help you understand, whenever this happened here, when he clears out the temple, what did did he do before this? He did his very first miracle in Canaan. He went to this celebration and made water into wine. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, who is this guy? And then he goes a little bit further, and he goes into another celebration, the Passover, and he kind of rips everything apart. Think about that. So he goes to one celebration to do something really, really kind of interesting and good, and then he goes to another celebration, and he causes kind of trouble. But there's a reason why he's causing this trouble. And let me show you what the resurrection reveals here. Number one, his his resurrection will reveal true worshipers. If you look at John chapter 2, if you notice that what is going on in the temple You can tell me right now, there is not worship going on in that temple. He says there in in verse 13, he says, And the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins and the money changers, and he overturned their tabers, tables. And he told those who have said to the pigeons, who, had, "Who said who sold the pigeons? Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade." His disciples remembered that it was written, "Zeal for your house will consume me." Jesus doesn't clear the temple because he's having a bad day. Jesus is not there to go, "Hey, let's see what kind of problems I can cause here at the temple." Jesus is coming into this because he knows there's something wrong. The Passover was supposed to be a time of celebration and of worship, observing what God had done for his people. And he doesn't find that. He doesn't find worshipers there. Instead, he finds that, that, that the temple has become this marketplace. it become this place where money and things, and can you imagine the smell because of all the animals? The Passover had now become a way to make money for the religious leaders of the day. It had become just a modern-day marketplace. And the chief priests that were there were leading the people astray. There was no reverence. There was no fear of God. There was no awe of who He was. They were simply just going through the motions. And let me just ask you, how many of you here today, we're just going through the motions? This is Easter. Easter. You know, we have to be here, right? We have to be here. Someone's got to come up here and preach. Someone's got to come sing. This is just what we do on Easter, right? We go through the motions in a way. Jesus knew they weren't there to worship a holy God. He knew they weren't there for his father. That's why he said in John chapter 2, verse 16, he says, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. Jesus didn't like their motives. It's as simple as that. He didn't like why they were coming to worship. Jesus is looking for true worshipers, not worshipers of money or who conform to the religious duties of the day. In John chapter 4, a couple chapters over, Jesus meets this woman at the well. Y'all know who she is. He meets this woman at the well, and he says this to her. In John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him him must worship in spirit and truth. I love this because Jesus is going, look, I'm looking for people to worship me. I'm looking for people to truly worship worship me and worship the father the resurrection of jesus christ is access to true worship it's access because he was victorious over the grave we have access to god now what happened at his crucifixion or what happened at his death the veil was torn from top to bottom and guess what that means boom access to god now there's no more hiding god anymore there's no more hiding god we can't hide him anymore because when Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to 500 people or so, people were like, oh my gosh, there's God. There's Jesus right there. He rose from the dead. It's kind of a big deal. True worshipers or true worship by true believers happens because Jesus rose from the dead. That's why you're here today, I hope. And you're a, you're a believer in Jesus Christ because Jesus rose from the dead. After his resurrection in Matthew 28... He was on the road, and some of his disciples saw him. And what did they do? They dropped to their knees, and they grabbed his feet, and they worshiped him. That's what happens when you meet Jesus Christ. You can't help to worship him. You can't help it. And this is what happens when you meet the risen Lord. You worship him. You worship. Number two, his resurrection reveals a new temple. Look what it says in verse 18. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The, Ju- the Jews then said, It has taken 40, uh, 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up on the th- in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he, said that he said this, and they believed the scripture and the word Jesus had spoken. His resurrection reveals a new temple. Notice that, Jesus, that the Jews immediately begin to challenge him. They begin to challenge him. And here's the thing, I don't blame them. I don't blame the Jews like challenging Jesus on this. I mean, of course, I mean, what, I mean, think about it. I mean, Jesus is stopping them from making the money they're supposed to make. Jesus is is causing a ruckus within the temple there. He's causing a problem within the Passover there. So Jesus goes completely Indiana Jones on them and starts cracking the whip. You know, that's pretty awesome if you think. That's one of my favorite movies, by the way, I'm just saying. I I mean, he messed up the system is what he did. He completely messed up the system. But his answer was so weird. Can anybody amen on that one? No one. No one wants because you're like, what did he say? What did he say? I'm not amen unless I know what he's saying. I mean, you know, I mean, look what he said. He goes, look, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Well, that's not what we're asking, Jesus. We just want to know why are you destroying the why are you destroying the temple here? His answer was so weird. The authorities didn't understand what he was saying. His own disciples didn't understand until after the resurrection. Jesus was talking about his body as the temple. In verse 21, he says, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. His body was going to be destroyed. He was going to be destroyed for our sins. So Jesus is revealing that at the resurrection of his body, he will be that temple. That he's going to change the way we look at worship. He's going to change the way we look at things. There will be no more need of the old temple. There will be no need of this worship and sacrifice of of animals and and all this stuff. Because here's the thing. The the temple, the man-made temple they're talking about here that they're walking into is going to be destroyed 40 years later. Completely destroyed. Gone. But Jesus is talking about his body here. So Jesus would sacrifice himself on the cross, taking upon our sin so that we don't have to kill pigeons and oxen, and sheep, and all these things. Right. Hebrews 10, verse 14 says, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Let me tell you who that single offering is. It is Jesus Christ, folks. Amen. We are being sanctified, those that who, who believe, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4 says, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Let me tell you something. You might be here today, and maybe you've come once or twice a year or whatever, and you're, like, you're trying really, really hard to work this thing out. You're, you and, you're trying to work it out with God, and you're going through some troubles, and you're going through some difficulties right now, and you're going, oh, I'm just trying to do everything I can. I'm going to try, try to be a nice guy. I'm going to try to be a nice person. I'm going to stop doing this, and I'm going to stop doing this over here, and if I just stop doing this, I'll be good. You can try to do all kinds of stuff to try to be good. But until you understand the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, you will not be good, my friend. You will not be good. You will not. When Jesus rose from the dead, he changed everything. Sin was crushed. The sacrifice was complete. Jesus is victorious, folks. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Death could not stop him, was not going to stop him. Jesus tells us in John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, he says, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. You see, folks, his resurrection reveals that he is the temple and that we are to worship him. We are to worship him. The man-made temple is no longer needed. Jesus Christ has replaced it. Jesus Christ has replaced it. But there's another thing here in John that Jesus reveals, that his resurrection reveals. You ready for this one? His resurrection reveals the heart of man. Look at John chapter 2, verses 23 and 25. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Do you know why Jesus went to the cross? Because he knew what was in man. He knew what was in us. Do you know why, that Jesus, why Jesus rose from the dead? One of the reasons is because he knew what was in man. He knew we couldn't save ourselves. He knew it. He knew we could not make ourselves alive again, or ever for that matter. Jesus knows the heart of man. He knows your heart. He knows where our hearts are today. He knows what you're thinking about right now. You're thinking about that casserole or whatever you're about to eat for Easter, right? I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. You say, you know, I know what you're thinking. Don't worry, because I'm kind of thinking the same thing. Don't worry. Jesus knows our thoughts, He knows what's going on in our hearts, He knows everything that you're going through right now. He knows everything. He's not like wondering, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. He knows. He knows our hearts. He knows that our hearts are dark. He knows, I mean, he knows there's something wrong. Jesus knows that people were following him and he knew they didn't believe in him. He knew it. In John chapter 6, 64, he says this, but there are some, Jesus says this, but there are some of you who do not believe. You would think that Jesus would be excited about a crowd following him, but he's not. He wants true worshipers. He wants genuine followers that have genuine faith. But he knew the people that were following him, that their hearts were dark. He knew that there was something wrong. My son this morning woke up early, and boy, he was excited. Walked in, it was pretty early, and he he was just, he was kind of giddy. Understandable. So he walks in, you know, and he he knows it's Easter. He knows what we've been doing. And he goes, Dad, I didn't see what was in the dining room. Didn't see it. Didn't see it. And I'm sitting there going, you liar. You are such a liar. You know, I'm like, your heart is so dark, son. You know, it really is, you know i got to sit down with you right now, explain Jesus to you. And he's in there telling me, I didn't see anything, Dad. I saw nothing. I saw nothing in the dining room. I'm telling you, nothing. You know, and, I, and he was so excited. He was so excited because, I mean, because, you know, you, you got to think about it, man. There, it's in this, there's, we got baskets all over the place, and there's, you know, melted chocolate, you know, somewhere in those baskets, and grass, and there's eggs, and there's all this stuff going on, and he just kind of, he walks past it because it's kind of to his room, and he sees the basket. So he goes on to tell me, after he says, I didn't see the baskets. I didn't see what was in it. I didn't see what was in the basket, dad, I promise. I didn't see what was in the the basket. I didn't see those sunglasses. I did not see the sunglasses in there. Did not. I did did not see my new piggy bank. I did not see it in there. Now, as a father, I'm sitting there going, son, I know your heart. I know you're a big liar. All right, I know you're lying to me. All right, but he's tried so hard. No, Dad, you know what I'm saying? I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Isn't that how we're we with God? That's how we are with God. You know, we're like, God, God, you know, I've done this, I've done this. You know, I didn't really do that, God. And God's going, come on, I know who you are. I know your heart. I know your heart. So what's wrong with our hearts? John three nineteen says this, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 and 12, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. In Romans three eighteen says this, there's There is no fear of God before their eyes. When Jesus Christ was crucified, people passed by saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in in three days, save yourself. Think about how dark that heart is. Someone who's dying on the cross and going, hey, you said you were going to do this. Can I just tell you right now, Jesus didn't come to save himself. He didn't come to save himself. He came to save me. Amen. He came to save you. That's why he came. The resurrection reveals who are the true worshipers. Folks, this room right here, who are here today who are truly really believers, we should be the best worshipers of all time. We should be. We should be the best worshipers because we know who the true God is. We know who the new temple is. It's Jesus Christ. We know it. But lastly, his resurrection reveals the need to be rescued. We need someone to rescue us. Jesus clears the temple because there is no fear of God. There is no reverence. There is no worshipers. Jesus is crucified on a cross because man could not save himself from God's wrath. So he took the sin upon himself. He was destroyed for us. And Jesus rose on the third day so that man could be redeemed. So that we can be right with God. So that we could be right with God. I love what Lee Strobel says. He says, Jesus Christ did not come into this world to make bad people good, he came into this world to make dead people live. Man, isn't that the truth? So let me ask you has the resurrection of Jesus Christ made you alive? Are you here today because you're alive in Christ? Do you know him as a true worshiper? Or are you beginning to realize that something is not right in your heart and that you need to be rescued? You need salvation. You need a Savior. Because let me tell you one thing, and then I'll close with this. His resurrection demands a response. It demands a response from us. How are we going to live our lives? Are we going to live our lives as true worshipers? Are we going to really worship Jesus Christ? Are we going to worship all this other stuff that's going on? Are we going to respond in the sense of going, hey, I need a Savior? My heart is dark, my heart is gone. I need Jesus Christ in my life. So, this Easter, how will you respond to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ? How will you respond today? That's how I want to close this. So I'm going to pray. And man, if you're here today and you're like, man, I, I don't know anything about Jesus Christ, but I want to know. I've asked some of the ministers to be up here. There's going to be some over here. At the end of the service, you can go to the hospitality room go, hey, I have questions. I just, I got to get my questions answered. I want to know. I want to know about Jesus Christ. I want to know. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much that we can come and we can worship you, Father. Father, with everything that's going on with Easter and man, there's buying stuff and just all the distractions of life, Father, I pray that we don't miss out on what this is really about and your son, Jesus Christ, who rose from the dead. Father, that tomb is empty. The tomb is empty, Father. We thank you for that thank you, Lord, that we can come to know Jesus Christ as, your, as the Savior of our lives, Lord, and we can worship him today. Father, I pray for those that are here that may not know him. Father, I, I pray they would get answers to the questions they may have today, Lord. Father, we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.